0: lead listeners, I really am excited about this three-part series on self-leadership that I want to uh, share with you. This three-part series on self-leadership is really going to uh, move you forward in the understanding of who you are. Because understanding who you are, being aware of who you are, your emotions, and what is the personality of God has called you and the why of who you are, the values of who you are, all of those things I'm going to address uh, so that you might know and understand who you are, that you will better be able to lead yourself before you can lead others. The mistake that many make, the mistake that many make when they begin to think about leadership is how can I best tell somebody else what to do? (laughs) What is the best way that I can influence, inspire And get somebody to do something. Well, uh, that's not the beginning of leadership. The beginning of leadership is self-leadership. How do you lead yourself? So to that end, this three-part series on self-leadership is being offered to you. And I really would want you to uh, take all three, listen to all three. And if you want to drill down, if you find that it adds value to your life, I would encourage you to then go to ileadacademy.net. And take the full course load. It will really bless you. And it will enable you and empower you. And inform you as to how you can be the leader you believe God has called you to be. And that you will be able to lead in any room. Because at the end of the day, you don't have a problem. Uh, You have a leadership issue. That's always the case. And when you take this and learn this, you will lead in any room. So let's begin with part one of this three-part series on self-leadership. Hello, lead listeners. Here we are at the third of three of what does it mean to lead yourself for self-leadership. We began with kind of defining that. Uh, We drilled a little bit deeper in saying how one leads oneself in terms of knowing yourself and self-awareness. We're going to go even further in this part three. Part one, uh, we talked about self-leadership and we said that self-leadership had to do with leading and understanding who you were, your strengths, your weaknesses, your emotions, your decisions, your responses, your words, choices and relationships. Uh, I shared with you also uh, that Paul said in Acts twenty twenty eight, as he was writing to the church at Ephesus says, keep watch over yourselves. Then he says, and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And it was very interesting that he says, keep watch over yourself, keep watch over yourself. In 1 Corinthians 9, 25 and 27, the apostle Paul went on to say that, uh, he's discussed it from the, um, analogy of an athlete he says we exercise self-control in all that we do. He says, this is what he has to do is that we, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. I keep it under control. I keep it under control. So here he is, he's saying this, that, um, in order to do this, his integrity, his character, his ethics, his knowledge, his wisdom, his temperament, his words and acts. He says, You got to get a control of that. The temperament. Notice that. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that one has to be in control. You can't snap if you're going to lead others. Now, in a way of review, uh, I lead listeners, and this is the third of three parts on self leadership. And I just want to remind you, that you can get this entire course on iLeadAcademy.net, iLeadAcademy.net. We just really wanted to add some value to you, give you a sense of all that you can get uh, by taking that course. Now, it goes on to say this, goes on to say this. Uh, in that first uh, part of self-leadership, Walter Michel, Walter Michelle, the uh, famous a professor of psychology at Stanford did this marshmallow test. And in the marshmallow test, he said that uh, you put a marshmallow or cookie in front of a kid and that kid that was able to hold on for 15 minutes, knowing that they would get an additional one after the 15 minutes, they were likely more likely to be more successful in life than the kid that even knew that they were going to get another cookie or marshmallow after 15 minutes if they would just maintain not eat it uh that individual were not as successful. He went on to say, Walter and Michelle, that um that that is a learned behavior. Uh, it's not just about the uh marshmallows and the cookies and all of that. It's a learned behavior. Now, in the way of review, the second part of self-leadership that I shared on our podcast had to do with um our IQ versus our EQ. We're so caught up into our IQ, our intelligent quotient, that we forget all about our emotional quotient. And that's where we're going to wrap up this third series. This I should say this number three of this series on self-leadership. If you want to lead others, you first have to lead yourself. You cannot lead others successfully or with any length of time unless you got control over yourself. So let's drill down deeper on this whole sense of EQ. Understanding the science behind emotions is important to growing our EQ. When signals from our five senses enter the brain, they first pass through the limbic system at the base of our brain near the spinal cord, the place where emotions are produced. This is why our first response to something we hear, see, or experience is emotional. The signals must then continue traveling to get to the frontal lobe behind our forehead where logical thinking takes place. You ever wonder why you scratch your forehead when you're thinking? Well, you're really trying to activate that part of your brain where... The intellect, your reason is. The back of your brain is where you take in that emotional, the limbic system there, pulls everything in. Well, uh, let's continue to just drill down a little deeper in that. You see, the physical element of emotional intelligence is learning how to have these two parts of the brain work together. They got to work together. Uh, Michelle and his marshmallow um, test kind of says that, If the person that makes the decision to eat the marshmallow too soon probably did it because they didn't let the whole emotion of the marshmallow, the whole gratification, uh, get to the front part of their brain. They made a decision before it got there while it was still in the back part of their brain. Now, the physical element of emotional intelligence is learning how to have these two parts of the brain work together. This requires self control. This requires managing oneself, managing our emotions. As was discussed in the previous lesson that we went over, uh, so that our rational thinking can help regulate our emotions and be a part of our decisions and actions, all of these things have to come together. Now, Daniel Goldman explains it this way Just imagine you're four years old. And someone makes the following proposal. If you wait until after he runs an errand, you can have two marshmallows for a treat. Very similar to what we said in the previous lesson. If you can't wait until then, you can have only one. But you can have it right now. It's a challenge, sure, to try the soul of any four-year-old. Microcosm of eternal battle between impulse and restraint, the id and the ego, the desire and the self-control, the gratification and delay. There is perhaps no psychological skill more fundamental than resisting impulse. It is the root of all emotional self-control, since all emotions, by their very nature, laid to one or another impulse to act. It is this tendency that likely led astronomer Carl Sagan to state this. Where we have strong emotions, we're liable to fool ourselves. Where we have strong emotions, we're liable to fool ourselves. John Mayer and Peter Salavore explains it this way. The emotionally intelligent person is skilled in four areas. Identifying emotions, using emotions, understanding emotions, and regulating emotions. Let me say that again. The emotionally intelligent person is skilled in four areas. Identifying emotions, using emotions, understanding emotions, and regulating emotions. If we do not learn to recognize and manage our emotions, we are prone to responding in haste and acting unwisely. One example of how to manage this tendency is to never send an email, text, a message, or leave a voicemail when you're feeling very strong in your emotions. Scripture says, be angry, but sin not. Get a hold of yourself. Sleep on it. Wait a while. Count to ten. But don't act in your emotions. Don't act in your emotions. I am told that uh, those who work in substance abuse say that the uh, acronym H.A.L.T. has to do a lot with keeping someone from backsliding or going back into their uh, addictive behavior. H.A.L.T. stands for, you know, uh, don't get too hungry, too angry, too alone or too tired. H.A.L.T. If you do, then it's likely you're going to act out of your emotions. Perhaps you write it, uh, but wait. Perhaps before you send the email, uh, think about it. (laughs) Maybe even rub that frontal lobe so that you can have some reasoning going on. In many cases, you will find yourself rewriting the message, not texting, or not even leaving the voicemail. There are four quadrants that you have to look at with respect to um, getting a hold of your emotions. One quadrant, is yourself. There's two things that fall under self. The other is the social. It's the self and the social. Under self is self-awareness and self-management. Under social is social awareness and relationship management. Now, I want you to get this, jot this down, and that's this. In self, under self-awareness, self-confidence, emotional self-awareness, accurate self-assessment. Then there's self-management, self-control, trustworthiness, conscientiousness, adaptability, achievement, drive to succeed, initiative. Now, under social, we have this social awareness is empathy, organizational awareness, service orientation, relationship management, influence, inspirational leadership, developing others, influence of yourself as well as others, building bonds, teamwork and collaboration. Now, in iLeadAcademy.net, you will go even further in this and and learn even more about this. I just really wanted to give you a high level of understanding what this means in terms of how do I manage my emotions so that I can be successful and then I can lead others. Emotional intelligence has been broken down in these four particular areas, and it is beneficial that we can understand them and grow deeper in them. Now, when we go further into this, this leads us to the final um, skills, if you will, that helps us to maintain control over ourselves and others. I can lead myself. Then I can get into leading others. Let's drill down a little bit further before we conclude on this number three of three points or lessons or podcasts, if you will, on self-leadership. It is our hope that you have been inspired and informed to be the leader that you want to be. To ensure that you are able to lead in any room, go to ileadacademy.net and enroll today. Now let us return to our broadcast. Emotions and strong feelings, while having the potential for great good, if not managed, can also distract us from great opportunities and derail good choices. They are always rumbling beneath the surface of our thoughts, words, and actions. Part of effective leadership is managing our emotions well and using them for good and not harm. In the past several lessons that we've gone over, one and two, we have been looking at essential keys to self-leadership. We discuss how emotional intelligence, or EQ, helps us with success in many areas of life, including relationships, work, and of course, leadership. Emotional intelligence consists of self-awareness, as we said in the past, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. Now. We've gone over those in the past. Let's go a little bit further. Self-management is using your understanding of your emotions to make intentional decisions about what you will do and what you will say and how you will practice it. Now that I'm aware of myself, now I will manage myself. Maya Angelou encourages us in this way. If you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Our attitude is an important area where we can practice self-leadership. The ability to recognize our emotions and use self-control to manage our attitude and response is self-management. There are habits and disciplines we can build into our life on a regular basis to help us understand our feelings and emotions so we are able to identify and respond to them in ways that are positive. Before we get into some of the specific habits and strategies that can help with self-management, let's talk about why it's worth practicing these behaviors. Tony Dungy adds this. You're born with some things inside you that will allow you to lead. But I think you have to take the bull by the horns. Leadership and opportunities do not come by accident. We need to intentionally take the bull by the horns, Tony Dungy is saying, so that we might be able to develop into the leader that we've been called to be. He goes on to say, when you're in a situation, you can complain about it. You can feel sorry for yourself. You can do a lot of things, but how are you going to make the situation better? Bottom line. In a quote of Tony Dungy, it is This taking initiative to act instead of letting your emotions control you, that can make all the difference. Bishop Dale C. Bronner out of Atlanta says this creates a powerful word picture that I love depicts our need to manage our decisions. Our decisions, because I'm aware of who I am. I'm aware of where I'm going. I'm aware of my emotions and the impact of that. I have to now make sure my awareness is translated to the decisions I make. Listen to what he says. And I quote, you're born looking like your mama and your daddy. When you die, you look like your decisions. Oh my God. Is that not the truth? You're born looking like your mama and your daddy. When you die, you're going to look like your decisions. Self-management dictates your decisions and responses to difficult situations. And your decisions dictate much of what your life can and will look like. More than likely. So let's take a look at some strategies for self-management. How do we how do we get this done? What is our framework that we are building? What is the construct in which we will then try to put together so that we might make good decisions? Bradbury and Greaves in emotional intelligence 2.0 offers this strategy. Number one, take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. This may seem really simple and it is easy to quickly dismiss it as an important strategy but it isn't to be dismissed. It is very much an important strategy. And today, noisy, busy culture, most of us breathe in quick, shallow breaths. Did you realize our brain requires 20% of our oxygen supply? If our brain does not get enough oxygen, we can become anxious, depressed, forgetful, or distracted. This impacts our ability to manage our emotions. So the next time you find yourself getting emotional or stressed, take a deep breath, completely feel your lungs, then completely empty your lungs. So this do this several times so that your brain gets enough oxygen to make a clear decision. It's not just taking a deep breath for deep breath's sake. Number two, count to 10, count to 10. As a child, you may have heard this from your teacher or your coach when you were upset. Go count to 10. In an earlier lesson, we talked about not allowing the limbic system of the brain where emotions are produced to take over making decisions. We must allow time for signals to get to the frontal lobe of our brain where logical thinking occurs so we can make a wise decision with both parts of the brain working together. Counting to 10 allows this to happen. So when you feel strong emotions and you want to lash out, take a moment to drink some water, walk across the room or look out the window, whatever you do, count to 10, take a deep breath, get some oxygen in that brain and let those two parts of your brain come together to make a sound decision. Strategy number three, sleep on it. Sleep on it. Yeah, sleep on it. Many times when you're not certain to do something, go to sleep. It will seem so much different the next day. In some cases, however, patience is necessary. I know you want to make a decision right away, but the thing is you, you need to sleep on it. We may need to time to find clarity or understanding. Sometimes we need to wait for more information before moving forward. In these instances, it can be helpful to sleep on it. It can be helpful to wait until tomorrow to send that email. Have that conversation. Text that message. Number four, number four, exercise. That's right. Exercise, not just for losing weight or maintaining your health, but exercise. There's plenty of research and information available regarding the benefits of exercising for our bodies and physical health. However, we can sometimes overlook the benefit of physical activity and fresh air for our minds and emotions. Exercise releases chemicals like serotonin and endorphins that can recharge and energize our brains for making good decisions and thinking rationally. So for better self-management, schedule a walk, a run, workout class, or pick up a game of basketball or soccer or whatever. Find a routine of exercise. You'll find that you'll make better decisions that way. And you'll manage yourself better. Number five, practice good sleep habits. Lack of sleep or poor sleep can make us susceptible to fatigue and poor decision making. Regularly practicing good sleep habits can improve our ability to manage our emotions. To manage our emotions. Avoid looking at screens for an hour before you go to bed. The light from screens can tell your brain that it is daytime and disrupt your ability to sleep. Avoid caffeine in the afternoon or evening. Try to go to bed and get up around the same time each day so your body develops a healthy sleep rhythm. Number six, seek the expertise of others. Think about people in your life who exhibit good self-management. This might be someone at work, school, or friend or church or family member. Ask them to talk to you, mentor you. Maybe have a meal with them. Go over some things that is going on in your mind. Explain your goals, your learning. Uh, where you want to go and how you want to get there. Ask them what they have done in their lives to be effective in managing themselves. See if they have any suggestions or ideas for you to practice in your life. These are just a few strategies that you can do to improve your emotions, reactions, and decisions. Think about your own life. When have you been successful in managing your responses to others? What helped you become successful in your responses? Think about how that response in that particular time made you far more successful than others. My Angelo added, added this. You may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. Do not complain. Make every effort to change things you do not like. If you cannot make a change, change the way you have been thinking. You might find a new solution. This is self-management. This is self-management. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, the Lutheran pastor during World War II, who, when he died, prayed so fervently. The doctor who was administering the death uh, serum to him said that he was totally convinced, similar to the scripture of the centurion, as Jesus gave his last breath and the blood squirted out of his side, surely this must be the son of God. The doctor who was instrumenting the death of Dietrich Bonhoeffer said similarly, because of his control, dying but yet had control, That he prayed to the very end so convincingly and with such fervor. The physician said in many ways. This man surely knows God. That's self-management. Think about the self-management strategies presented that I just shared with you. Consider these following reflection questions as we come to the third part of a three part on self-leadership. As I said before, I just simply wanted to give you these high levels. The course itself will take you even deeper in self-leadership. Go to iLeadAcademy.net. Reflect on this. Which two of the six self-management strategies discussed here do I want to implement in my life immediately? Is it taking a deep breath, counting to 10, sleeping... Decisions on my decisions, exercising regularly, improving my sleeping habits, seeking the expertise of others. Which one? Which of the two? Number two, reflective question What stressful experiences have I had in my life? When have I been most successful in managing my responses? And when have I not been so successful? When I am in a situation that I cannot change, What helps me? This is the third reflective question. What helps me? What can change my attitude and perspective? Well, Ali listeners, this concludes the uh, three-part series on self-leadership. I hope that it uh, added value to your life. If you want to go even deeper into it, uh, where you can learn even more about self-leadership so that you can then lead others after you learn how to lead yourself the entire course is on iLeadAcademy.net. The entire course is made up of 10 plus lessons with quizzes and and um, also handouts as well as surveys that you can take. And uh, I would encourage you that if you want to be the leader that you believe God has called you to be, then begin leading yourself and learning how to lead yourself with iLeadAcademy.net. God bless you. It's Faith you. Give you peace. I'll see you all, I Lead listeners, at the next podcast. Bye now. After listening to today's podcast, I'm sure you're ready to be a leader in any room. To learn more about how to become the leader you are called to be, enroll today in ileadacademy.net. Until next time, remember, with I Lead, you can be the leader in any room.